In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who grants us the ability to pray, and also grants us those who pray for us. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, today is a great day. You know why? Because I am an English major. And as an English major, I'm kind of a dork about it. And and, uh, this morning in our Revelation Bible study, I was able to talk about poetic devices. And that was phenomenal. That was great. We had a good time learning about allegories and types and metaphors and similes and all of that good stuff. Um, And now that we're in the sermon, I get to continue to talk about English stuff. Aren't you excited? Okay, well, um, we'll get there, we'll get there. Um, uh, What we're doing is, uh, like I said at the beginning of service, we are finishing our series in the book of James. Um, uh, We are uh, going with that James reading that is in your syllabus if you want to follow along. And it starts off like this. Is anyone among you suffering? Well, is that a rhetorical question? You know what a rhetorical question is, don't you? It's a question that everybody kind of knows the answer to, but you say it just to sort of artfully say something in a declarative way. So, is anyone among you suffering? And pretty much all of us could be like at one level or another, well, yeah, I am. And so James goes on. Let him pray. He does another rhetorical question. Is anyone cheerful? Well, yeah, maybe maybe a few of us. Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Now, maybe that that isn't everybody, but it's a few of us. I've heard some coughs, some sniffles, stuff like that. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Blake is your elder. Just pointing that out. So, we've got these, this sort of like list of a bunch of questions that, that might be considered rhetorical question. You might, might kind of understand what a rhetorical question is. But I actually, um, this is why I'm so excited. Um, uh, this is like the English major version of discovering a star or a new species of dolphin or uh, something else uh, very awesome discovery-like. That's because I've found a new, basically, way to use the English language here. And it's the rhetorical imperative. What you find here is you've got these imperatives. Now, let's go back to seventh grade together, or at least I think that's when I learned this. An imperative is a command. It is something that when he says, let him pray... It's a command. Actually, that's sort of an imperative, cohortative, but that, I figured, was a little bit too much for you. Um, So it's an imperative. 
And since I found the rhetorical imperative, I'm thinking I'm going to call it the Winter's Rhetorical Imperative. That way, then my name will go on throughout all of history. But let's look at what this rhetorical imperative really is. It's sort of like a rhetorical question, but it's not a question, it's a command. And so what do we know about rhetorical questions? Well, we know that they're not really questions. That, that the way that we use them is actually, we use them to declare things, which is almost the exact opposite of asking a question. And that when we ask a rhetorical question, like, is the sky blue, that it's not really a question until you ask it a second time. And when you ask a rhetorical question a second time, there's this magical thing that happens in your head, and you really start to wonder if the sky actually is blue. Because today it's sort of grayish. Well, the rhetorical imperative is kind of a lot like that, because when you read it, you go, oh yeah, that's, that's command, but you don't really think about it as a command. You just kind of think about it as, oh, well, that's nice. Until you hear it again. And then that same magical thing happens in your head and you go, oh man, I'm a sinner. So let's look. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Let him pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? Let him sing praise. Let him sing praise. Hard for people like me who can't carry a tune in a bucket. Is anyone among you sick? If Blake shows up at your doorstep with some olive oil, are you freaked out that you just joined a cult? Or are you happy that he's there? You see, there, there's all of these sort of commands that uh, James is going through, and uh, he's saying these things are commands. Are you in this situation? Then if you are, then I command this. And we've already talked about how James is preachy like that, and the reason that he's preachy like that is that he actually wants the best thing for your soul and your life. And so he's saying, if this is the experience that you're having, if you're having the experience of being cheerful, the best thing for you is really to just keep that sucker going. Start singing some praise. Anybody of you know the common doxology? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. That one is my way of keeping this going in my head because I told you you can't carry a tune. But the way, that whenever I have something awesome that happens to me, that is what I sing. I didn't know it was called common doxology. What a weird word. Until I got to the seminary. But I knew that it was a pretty awesome song. And if you're suffering, Pray. If you're sick, call on somebody to pray with you. That's what James is doing here. And so we're going to keep on going because uh, he actually has some, some more avenues, some, some more things and some more, uh, they're actually not rhetorical imperatives. They're imperatives. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. 
Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Ah, oh, snap. Did you catch that? Did you catch what he said? Uh, okay, so who in here is a sinner? Uh, some of you are self-righteous. Um, uh, everybody in here is a sinner. So what does James say? Pray. Good. That's what we go to. We're like, oh, I should pray. Totally ignore that part about the confess your sins to one another. That's not really there. Just gotta sweep that one under the carpet. Oh boy. I mean, uh, Lutherans typically have a problem with this book of James, and uh, part of the reason is that James is so direct about things that we're kind of like, Ew. and we blame it on Martin Luther, who did have some serious problems about it, but he didn't have a problem with confessing his sins. He went and confessed his sins every week privately to a guy named Johann Staupitz. But we do. Maybe it's because we don't want people to think that we actually need that stuff. Maybe we want people to think that we're not actually suffering, and so why would we pray? Maybe it's because we don't want people to think that a period of cheerfulness in our lives... That that's actually a big deal. And that's something that we want to keep on going because the rest of our lives, a lot of times, just they don't seem that cheerful. And maybe especially we don't want people to know that we sin. And especially how and why we sin. But what James is saying here is, if you listen to the imperative, that this is actually something good for you. Because we recognize that we are sinners. And that we need God's help. But a lot of times what we don't like to recognize about God's help is that God's help a lot of times comes from people that are praying for us and speaking His Word to us and speaking especially His Gospel, those words of forgiveness, directly into our lives. So when James says, confess your sins to one another, he's not saying, I want to put you in a position where you feel awkward about yourself. You should feel awkward about yourself because you're a sinner. But I want to put you in a place, actually, where that awkwardness stops. Because the person on the other end of that says, you know what, I'm a sinner too. Maybe I don't sin in the same way that you do. Maybe I don't sin for the same motivations that you do. But I'm a sinner too. And I get it. And I know that there is a man named Jesus Christ who is the Son of God. He died on a cross. He forgave me my sins. And I know that He forgave me my sins. I know that He forgave you your sins too. That's the beauty of this imperative. That you have that power of God 
in you because you are a baptized child of God. He selected you to be somebody who could go out into this world and sing songs of praise. He selected you to be somebody who could go out into this world and speak words of healing and of forgiveness. The prayer of a righteous person has great power in its working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain for three years and six months, and it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and earth bore its fruit. You're no different than Elijah. That's what James is saying here. God's will may not be to answer that prayer that it doesn't rain for three and a half years, which, thankfully, none of you are praying that, or at least God's not granting that. He did that for some very specific reasons. But you have that same power. Not on your own, it's because of Jesus who made you righteous. But since he made you righteous, you are now like Elijah. In your prayer, those words have great power. My brothers... If any of you, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. You have that power. You have that power of Elijah. That power even of Jesus Christ to speak His words of healing, of forgiveness, of praise, and of prayer. That is yours. And maybe we don't think about how cool that really is, how amazing that really is. Most of the time, I mean, I kind of get stuck in that. That was one thing that kind of came up for me when I was reading this text myself. I was sitting there going, well, prayer. A lot of times that's a chore for me. And I thought to myself, wow, I really am a sinner. I really don't understand what I have. But thanks to James, I get to see that all over again. I get to see the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit working in my life and in yours to speak those words. And when you begin to see how utterly amazing that is, you'll begin to see how much you can enjoy it. Amen.